Now it's recording. Okay. Too bad everyone missed that story about me working out and local being cute. <laughs> okay. We should have a podcast of just dog stories. Yeah. About how cute our dogs are. I mean, Isn't that what... That's... Yeah. That's missing on the podcast scene. It would be a podcast. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. My name's Lubitsa. And I'm Adam. And this is the podcast that we make yep. where we talk about politics and TV. Yep. Our politics are left, quite left, um, mm-hmm. and our tastes in TV are pretty trashy. Mm-hmm. But I think we have interesting points of view on both of those <laughs> <Okay>. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We... Sorry, there may be some dog noises. Uh, so yeah, we make this podcast because, you know, we like having conversations about things that we read or hear or whatever, and we wanted to share those conversations with other people who maybe like us are somewhat isolated from their friends and therefore aren't able to have mm-hmm. um, the kinds of fun conversations that they were once able to have. So hopefully this incites other people to have their own interesting conversations or have conversations with us on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. facebook.com slash cold pizza party or on Twitter at cold pizza party. Yep. And you can get this on iTunes if you're listening on SoundCloud. I don't know how people do their podcast listening, but uh, I would really recommend that you get it on iTunes or in an RSS feed or something because we tried to come out on Thursday, but Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. It's we, not, this is like something we do on the side. So we're mm-hmm. not always able to come out on Thursday yep. and we, we don't want you to miss it. Do not have a Patreon page. We're not asking for money. No, we're just talking. Yeah. And, uh, we actively try not to be topical. So hopefully you can go back and listen to old podcasts without them feeling mm-hmm. completely outdated. Yeah. Um, and speaking of not being topical, <laughs> we're going to talk about a podcast or a podcast. This is a podcast. We're going to talk about an we're article talk on a podcast. That came out in Current Affairs some weeks ago that has absolutely nothing to do with the current political situation. Yeah. Um, But that we both found kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. It is political. Yeah, no, it is political, just not like... Being topical is stupid. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we're not going to talk about Trump or Russia or whatever. too much topic to be topical lately. It's, like, exhausting. Yeah. Like, what if we tried to talk about the mooch this week, or last week? It's already lame and outdated. (laughs) So this is an article by Amber Ali Frost in Current Affairs, and it's called, I think, Against Domesticity? Yeah. Is that right? If you only know her from, like, Chapo, you should read her articles. Yeah, she has a lot of good articles. She has a really good um, advice column for The Baffler. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I uh, have read some times. I love times advice of... columns, actually. Hers is, is I good, wrote though. one installment of an advice column. That's on right. Green mobs. Yeah. That's right. We could uh, link that in the show notes in case people wanna wanna see that. Okay, so should we get into this article after so much intro? We've never done this long of an intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I like to print articles out. I noticed this in the last one because I like to write on them, so you'll hear like. Oh, paper. Page sounds, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's because we're old millennials. Or also because my brain just works better when I can write notes on the margin. We also record things differently. Maybe different type of Set mic up. setup. But... Yeah, but I'm just saying, like... Okay, okay. Uh, well, basically this article is... Amber Lee Frost is talking about how there's this push that she's noticed lately in a number of different ways especially online to Mm. get people to basically be really into domestic life right it's kind of like a fetishization 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 i don't know if that's right i think that is right okay uh, of um, domesticity. So she starts out by talking about how she wanted to get this um, Thai dish. Yeah. And she asked Tom Cup guy. Yeah, asked on Twitter where to get a good one, and everybody responded with, "Actually, it's really easy to make at home." Mm-hmm. And she says emphatically, "It is not easy. It is, you know, whatever. You have to do it the specific way." And based and so she starts out by describing this cult of domesticity, specifically about cooking, mm-hmm. that it's so in vogue to. 
Um, like make your own pho. Yeah, <laughs> which we've done. Yes. I feel like this article describes us a little bit. Definitely. That's yeah. why I wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. Because I have some... Like, I, I, I like Amberly Frost. I like mm-hmm. this article. But then there's some things where I was like, I take issue with this. Probably because I felt like it was a personal attack on mm. me. But okay. yeah, so I think we could talk about it. So one thing that I really like that she points out that I think is a great sort of lens through which to consider this article and that I definitely agree with is that, uh, so she says, of course, Tom Kagai is hard. Cooking is often highly skilled labor, a fact that usually goes overlooked, especially when women or immigrants are the ones feeding people as they usually are. But nowadays, there's absolutely no dish, no matter how time-consuming or elaborate, that cooking enthusiasts, enthusiasts won't describe as, actually, it's really easy to make, like you said. I just thought that that was like a really great point about, you know, we've talked about this issue before, of like for example during the 70s 60s 70s whatever 80s when you have like this push for women to enter the workforce as a way to be liberated yeah as opposed to the idea that women's labor is valuable and that women don't necessarily need to go into the workforce to be valuable or liberated or even to get paid right we could have had all these different ideas of what is valuable labor but instead we chose to just mimic Mm -hmm. what kind of capitalism deems to be valuable labor which is what men do surprise it makes sense you know like feminism this new radical movement it's easier to go along with capitalism and just enter the men's sphere in a way yeah and really like like a lot of um the type of feminist like lean-in feminism this was really just mainly an issue for like upper class white women who had like college degrees and stuff like that like lower class white women oh, immigrants black women yeah had no yeah. choice of working like forever it, yeah. that didn't liberate them right yeah. that was just fact yeah. of their existence right so and and of their survival so um but unfortunately men's work was the only thing that was valued so yeah and so women i think wanted to do this is like really important though that she points out that this attitude that of this this cult of domesticity this fetishization 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 damn it of domesticity subverts the fact that you know cooking is highly skilled labor Mm -hmm. as is like even decorating making a, a house a home or you know like we just put up a gallery wall in our house yeah Okay, that was a long-ass project. First we had to go out to find the frames. We sucked at doing it, it turns out. Well, because it takes a lot of patience, and we are not But it looks easy when it's on Pinterest. Totally. Then we, yeah, we spray-painted the frames. Then we had to figure out an arrangement and what was going to go where. Then we had to put all those holes in the wall. Like, it took forever. I mean, our gallery wall looks fucking great, (laughs) but... Maybe we'll uh, post a, a picture on Facebook. Not, I don't know if that's messy. Well, it might be. It's on your Facebook page. No, it's not. Oh, well, it should, you should put it on your Facebook. Okay, so you, saw, <laughs> you see, you're proud. You want to share it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my point is just that it takes skills. It takes effort to make a house a home. So it takes effort to clean a house, to keep it clean, all this kind of stuff. And that, that's important labor that gets overlooked. Yeah. So anyway, I just think that's like a kind of great framework that she brings to this article that's like really important to emphasize yeah towards the beginning she talks about how this new like the sort of fake bohemian fashion that's you know very popular Uh and she's like actually it's more bohemian to you know be a layabout made nervous by industriousness yeah yeah (laughs) i don't even like it when someone cleans on my own behalf (laughs) i prefer robots to clean my house yeah i like that quote yeah I am uh, definitely this person, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I hate cleaning, but nothing would make me more uncomfortable than someone cleaning for me. Yeah. I also, let me see. I have a quote here. I, I really like, that's why I recommended you should read this article. It's a good article. It has oh, just yeah, good lines Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Every like, article that we talk about, you should definitely read. We, you know, we're not usually picking articles because we I think like, they're not worth yeah. I like when she said, I usually eat as if I were at a party, nibbling on charcuterie all day. Okay, I sort of like that line too because I love charcuterie boards, but I did feel sort of annoyed that she describes herself as nibbling on them. Yeah, You're not yeah, a woodland yeah. creature. You're a woman. Just yeah. You eat charcuterie like the rest of us. <laughs> Probably like, like a block of cheese from the fridge. Okay, like yeah. 
let's be real. I like her writing, and I like. I like I her felt like there too. are just we could just talk about the style of her article. But yeah, there. On the other hand, s- there are a few times when it's a, she needs to like be a bit plainer when she speaks. Like I like, she says. Uh, I understand that everyone has their strange little kinks, but as drudgery is not my personal fetish, I'm simply saying I'd rather press my hand on the burner than actually spend any measurable amount of time sweating over a hot stove. Yeah, that's hard to... I love the second half of that. I I know. I mean, when you're reading it, it's fine, but then when you're reading it out loud like this, it's like, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't have room to take a breath. I think she has this style where she's adopted, like when we were watching Poshnosh. Mm. that like uh, she's like adopted that upper class way of speaking like yeah. satirize it a little yeah, bit yeah yeah totally totally yeah although there were several times when i underlined sentences that i really liked that i wanted to make sure we share here so to be fair she is like a very good writer yeah. it's just sometimes yeah it, it's a little over the top so what do you want to mention next should we go to julie child and stuff uh, well uh, let's talk real quickly here where she says oh well, i guess we already talked about this a little bit but basically to hammer home the kind of main point of this article uh she says oh it's actually right after that but obviously housework is a valid and necessary perversion my issue is that a contemporary cult of neo-domesticity appears intent on undermining the difficulty and complexity of traditionally feminine labor by insisting upon the myth of effortlessness. And I think that that's really an important point uh, to hammer home, not only because of this idea that we absolutely do not value female labor, which obviously we talked about that's important, but also because to me this is like a key myth in capitalism, but maybe especially like lean-in, feminist capitalist ideas Mm -hmm. because it basically this is necessary in order to perpetuate this myth that you can have it all you know yeah you can have it all if you just plan ahead and work really hard and never stop moving and never take up you know (laughs) it's just like there's this emphasis on basically what i feel like happens is that this is like a distraction from the fact that most people can't afford to hire help even though basically that's what people like need when you have two adults working all day right the last mm-hmm. thing people can, can and want to do is come home and clean yeah you know and the reality is that if you are not wealthy enough to hire help you cannot have it all you cannot have a clean house and mm-hmm. homemade tomka guy and a gallery wall and yeah. you know every other kind of cozy home thing that you want to do because it's just too much work Mm -hmm. and it kind of it both makes you feel like a failure for not being able to have it and it belies the fact that capitalism sells you a dream that is never going to come true it's crazy too that we had a world where i mean it's not true for all of our grandmas like both of our grandmas worked a little bit right yeah but still, you basically had one person whose full-time job was keeping things in order yeah. and clean. Yeah. And then we just added more work on top of that exactly. in the past few decades. We didn't, we didn't solve that problem. We just created more work. Yeah, we just said, actually, that labor isn't that valuable. You need to yeah. go out and do wage labor it's like we made and it, then come home and do free labor. It's like we made it even more invisible. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what she's saying, too. Yeah. I think that effortless thing, um, talking about how it's supposed to appear effortless, um, I think we should expand on that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, even more so than we just did. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I really like this thing where she talks about the time-lapse tutorial. Mm -hmm. So she kind of talks about Julia Child and how Julia Child had this attitude about cooking of like, Oh, well, Well, you'll fuck up and then you'll learn how to do it over time. And she would show on her cooking show where she dropped like a potato pancake and just put it back in the pan or her cutlery would break and she'd throw it away or whatever. It was a much more real sense of how cooking is. She presents Julia, Julia Child as like the solution to this problem, like the the correct model for our behavior. She talks about the time lapse tutorial, which, you know. I'm sure you've probably seen. I'll use her description here. Uh, The videos are comparable to POV porn, which is a shot from the perspective of a party receiving sexual attention, usually orally. 
Correspondingly, the cook's face is not visible in tasty videos, which is what these time-lapse videos are called. You don't hear their voice. You usually only see a pair of hands doing the work in a rapid fast-forward that belies the actual amount of work necessary for the dish. Most prep work is never shown. Ingredients are pre-portioned and measured. Repetitious tasks are shown only once. No mess or dirty dishes are ever visible. And, uh... Tweet instrumental music plays. They love ukulele, which seems to imply a breezy, mess-free little craft project rather than toil. Yeah, I also think it's important that she points out that a lot of the end result of these dishes is, uh, she calls it, Guy Fieri nightmare of inelegant American gluttony. Yeah. Um, which I think is really it's important. Another good line too. Yeah, look, it only takes two minutes to make macaroni cheese and cheese and breadsticks, right? Like macaroni and cheese breadsticks. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, my point—I uh, mean, my point in pointing that out is that all of this is a fantasy, right? Yeah, like yeah. you're most likely, hopefully, not eating macaroni and cheese breadsticks or whatever, mm-hmm. like regularly or ever, because that sounds pretty gross. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I love macaroni and cheese, but <laughs> yeah, totally. Not not in breadstick form. In fact, she has a really great sentence where she kind of cinches it. She says, "And it is a fantasy. That's why those videos are primarily shot from the perspective of the cook. They're hardcore domestic pornography, mm-hmm. so they don't have to be real. They just have to be graphic." Yeah. Um, I love that line. That's one of those lines I, I. Uh, underlined because i thought it was really great i did i think i did too yeah um Um, because it's yeah they have to be graphic exactly like you know you think of graphic porn but this is graphic too and even like that idea of like oh it's a you know whatever a big cheesy bread whatever thing it's like oh look at the cheese you know the the bread being pulled away and like the cheesy strings that are left behind and stuff Mm -hmm. it's very like i guess it's like supposed to be evocative of something that looks tasty but i think like if you had like a few bites of that like intensely cheesy bread you'd be like oh i'm good i'm really good on this you know i just think that it's really important that she points out that all of this stuff is once again like a fantasy just like the idea that you're gonna be able to have it all this is a fantasy that you're gonna be quickly making these great like one time i think i saw like it was like a basically like sushi but a giant burrito size sushi roll you know that mm. people were sharing it was like look to it's make like, it home yeah and it was just what? like i don't know why you'd want to do that but i saw people like sharing it and thinking it was like so cool and she points out that basically this is just a bit of like escapism but at the same that people share like on facebook that they'll never make but they like the idea that they're the type of person who would have the time to learn or try a new recipe I was thinking, we're the type of people who try new recipes. We are, yeah. And like to, I don't think we make particularly indulgent food necessarily, but like we make our own yogurt, we've, we make our own pasta, we make our own bread, and we like to like, we've made our own pho, so. We did it more out of like an obsession with trying to be healthy, though. Not the, no, not the pasta or the bread or the pho. Well, to me, it was because now we know what's going in it and everything. Well, that's true, but I think it, for me it was mainly like I find that when I do something, whether it's like trying to make a piece of art or make a podcast or make pasta, I if I actually like go through the process of trying to make it, I appreciate it even when someone else makes it a lot more than if I just am presented a, a final product, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I just get pasta, if someone else had handmade it, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is good, but you know, whatever. Or if I listen to a podcast before like we made, started making our own podcast, I'd be like, oh, why don't they come out with it all the time? Or why didn't they think of this thing to say? Or, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, That's true. So I think, that falls... I think there's like inherent value in making yeah. your own stuff. But in this article, she doesn't seem to see. Yeah, that completely falls outside the scope of the article, too. Because you're talking about doing it as, like, a hobby. You're talking about, like, appreciating the work that goes into it. You, yeah. You don't... We don't cook for ourselves to show off to other people. We just cook for ourselves. We don't... Yeah. 
Yeah, that does fall completely outside of the scope of the article. And I guess it's just because she probably doesn't do that herself, so it didn't occur to her. But I think it's also just not what she's interested in talking about here. Because she's talking about, like, fetishizing domesticity in this weird way. Okay, but, I mean, I guess we'll get to it later. But I do think that there's a point at which she wants to have it both ways, where she's simultaneously saying this labor isn't appreciated enough. And then she also seems to be saying... I don't partake in this labor because there's nothing inherently valuable about it. Mm, Sure. And I just, that was to me, especially because I am someone who enjoys, like we cook every day, twice a day, right? We cook for lunch and dinner almost every day, except maybe on weekends, right? So for me, that was like a very strident (laughs) critique, I guess. Like it was... Mm -hmm. Something that's totally like missing substantially from here, not just... Yeah. Um... Missing without consequence, you're saying. Yeah. That makes sense. And especially thinking about it, um, she does mention a friend who gets pleasure out of, like, cleaning the floors, but she basically implies that his, like, Catholic upbringing scarred him, and that's why he enjoys it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, and I sort of felt like, we'll get back to the article, but these are some thoughts I was having that I kind of want to explore with you. Okay, obviously I was saying, like, going through the process gives you more appreciation for the final product. But I think there's also an aspect, I mean, the way that she talks about like acquiring food, especially, I would say, it's like, it's very consumerist. Like everything is about buying food as opposed to producing it. Or she even says like at one point that like if her... In her ideal socialist world, there'd be like cafeterias. Yeah, and she also says that if her Appalachian grandparents had grown to see like their granddaughter raising chickens in Brooklyn, they'd assume she cracked. I mean, I'm not saying like Brooklyn is the place to raise chickens or or that people in Brooklyn are particularly devoted to that task. But, you know, I sort of feel like the idea of a return to small humane farming practices and local economies, that's like... That's that could be like a radical project that ultimately undermines like global markets and capitalism and is better for the environment if we're not constantly shipping food in like from across the country and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I think that that can be a really radical project that she sort of seems to just completely dismiss because I don't know people with fedoras in Brooklyn like mustaches or whatever are doing mustaches it. not fedoras whatever <laughs> I don't know I don't care I'm just saying like. You know, just because you don't like the people who are doing it doesn't mean that this is, like, a, a worthless pursuit. And I think, like, she seems to, like, in a lot of ways, really value being a consumer over being a producer. And I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I think you're probably... Either the implied stance is that she wants, basically... Maybe she wants fully automated luxury-style mm-hmm. communism. Maybe she sees housework and, and cooking as mostly just degrading labor that is you know not valuable to to do Mm -hmm. or she mentions like in her socialist utopia there would be cafeterias like whole foods hot yeah bar cafeteria i actually saw a really cool post a while back of uh, someone who went through like uh, former soviet countries and photographed all the like workers cafeteers that they had that was an actual thing Mm -hmm. that you know all the a bunch of ladies would get together and cook food for you and you would just come over with your tray and eat and everybody would gather there and i think that sounds so nice but also i think like that's fine you know if that's like the solution i guess but i still think that there are people who inherently like enjoy making things right isn't that the whole point like, why we think, like, ultimately, like, communism, Marxism, whatever would yeah. work is because we're, like, homo faber, we enjoy mm-hmm. making things. Yeah. And so I just think this complete dismissal of making your own food is, like, yeah. I don't know, in contrast with what she's arguing for. But um, making your food, making your own food isn't necessarily more communist. It's more individualistic in a way. Like, having a cafeteria or even... Um, like a market that can deliver food at um, an affordable price to people, healthy, nutritious food, isn't uh, necessarily less socialist or communist or progressive. Because um, because you're saying, like, there are people who enjoy to do it. 
So those are the people who can do it. Right. Of course. That's, yeah, that's always the idea. But I'm just saying, okay, but like until we get to the place where we have, you know, socialized cafeterias, Mm -hmm. don't you think that it's like better to produce, to be like a producer, to like produce whatever food, whatever it is for yourself? Or do you think like being a consumer makes you freer? Because like she says, she has a point where she says... She has this quote from Rosa Luxemburg where Rosa Luxemburg said, uh, for the propertied bourgeoisie woman, her house is the world. For the proletarian woman, the whole world is her house and the whole world with its sorrow and its joy, with Mm -hmm. its cold cruelty and with its brutal size. Yeah. So she says, it's not only a poetic insight, but a liberating truth to we feminists of the lazy louch and carousing variety one cannot roam the world and keep it clean and cozy at the same time so she's implying that like her mode of being by you know not cooking not cleaning unless she has a friend coming over she doesn't want to discuss uh discussed that that mode of of being like being a consumer in the world is more freeing but I would argue that being a producer and not having to rely on capital, other capitalist producers would actually be in many ways more freeing. Yeah. I think actually when I first read this, I took the quote a different way than she does. It, it turns out now that I hear you reread it. I feel like when uh, Rosa says, for the proletarian woman, the whole world is her house with its sorrow and its joy, with its cold cruelty and its brutal size. Whereas uh, for bourgeois women, like they travel the world, so that makes it their house. Mm. But they're disconnected; they're more alienated. And and just being a consumer, like you're saying, is alienating you from your food, from what you're yes, exactly. eating, from the labor that is is like sustaining you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, and also actually now that you mentioned, I also took that quote differently at first, especially when she talks about the size. It's like the weight. Mm-hmm. And it's like the responsibility, right? Like these proletarian women are responsible for going out into the world to clean streets, homes, factories, to cook for Mm -hmm. the masses, whatever. And so they take on as wage labor these domestic jobs and therefore like they do the like domestic labor in, you know, the hourly wage sphere as well as... I th- I think actually the there's a like an inversion in that the beginning of that sentence if you pay attention like Rosa Luxemburg says the whole world is her house yeah. so like this domestic proletarian woman is actually in this sentence anyway located in the house and obviously you know metaphorically that exp- extends to the factory and stuff mm-hmm. but the point is that even if she is confined to her house being more connected to the reality being more connected to the labor of of you know like sustenance yeah is actually more educational than being able to travel the world yeah i guess i just meant that for the proletarian women like a lot of times especially at this time period enriching i should say instead of those women were getting labor or getting jobs that were domestic labor just in like someone else's house right like i'm not i'm not trying to contradict what you said Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, they were the ones ultimately responsible for the domestic tasks in the world. Yeah. And that's why the world is their home, because they have to take care of all of it, the way that a woman is expected to take care of her home, a a bourgeoisie woman. Yeah. Yeah. So when Amber Frost says, like, in this quote, there's a liberating truth to we feminists who are lazy and carousing. One cannot roam the world and keep it clean and cozy at the same time. That's like, um, that's a poetic statement of her own, but it's not necessarily like tied to this quote. I think. Yeah. 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 And I just, yeah, like you said, it, I find that to be like problematic, I guess. I think there's some, there's some like bigger issues that we, I think we skipped over that I want to get back to. Okay. Um, one of them, I want to get back to effortlessness, but I feel like this ties in, something else ties in more to what you were just saying. Um, I like triple highlighted a section in the middle, or actually just a little bit before the end here. Um, Amber Frost writes, it used to be that domesticity was the province of conservatives, 
mm. but progressives now adore a cultivated domestic lifestyle. And I just wanted to talk more about that and, mm-hmm. and hear what your thoughts were about that, basically. Okay, my thoughts on that idea, uh, people don't have money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I disagree. Uh, I don't uh, think that's... Okay, can I? Yeah. Because I think not that long ago, there was more of an emphasis, like, when we were kids, like, on going out to eat more, like, going to restaurants, going even out with friends to a bar, whatever, like, you know, I think there's a lot more going to the movies, whatever, um, but then especially after the crash, like, how many times did you see pieces, not just talking about people having staycations, but pieces about people having board game nights or whatever, dinner parties became more of a thing again, because the reality was that, like, it was just expensive, you know, Mm -hmm. to go out and constantly, again, consume and be served by other people. So I think that part of the reason that this cult of domesticity develops is because, like, well, if you're going to have your friends over, you want your house to look nice, you want it to be clean. If you're going to do a dinner party, you know, for the third time this year or whatever, you want to feed your friends something different, maybe show off some new skill you tried out or learned, you know? And so I think that's kind of how it developed, especially for young progressives, because, uh, you know, people who just graduated from college or are young professionals want to be social and have their friends over, but we Mm -hmm. can't afford to, like, you know, constantly be going out all the time, especially if you live in a city. I mean, that makes sense. I think that's a good point. But um, to me, the idea of it as a fantasy, to me, has more explanatory potential. Well, I'm just saying, I think this is where it starts. Of course, as soon as you start doing something, you always have a fantasy to do it better and want to find new ways, cooler ways of doing things. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I wasn't sure what to make of that quote. It's obviously true. And... I mean, to say it's just having to do with money, that doesn't explain why it's um, this, like, it's the province of more liberal people than conservative. It's definitely... Are we sure that it's the province of more liberal people I guess people not exclusively. You have, like, the pioneer woman and... Yeah. I think uh, Pinterest is a lot are... of Christian moms. True. That's true. I have a quote here that I put three stars next to because I thought it was... First of all, it's, like, my favorite detail from the article, but I think... I think it has something to do with this being like an en vogue thing, this cult of domesticity. So, oh, so first we have to talk about, um, Amber Frost mentions, what, what's it called? This, uh... Oh, Free to Be You and Me. Free to Be You and Me, yeah. And, uh... Do you want to read the poem? Yeah, she pulls this poem out that was on the record, but it was so controversial they didn't put it in the TV special. Anyway. Remember, nobody smiles doing housework but those ladies you see on TV. Your mommy hates housework. Your daddy hates housework. I hate housework, too. And when you grow up, so will you. Because even if the soap, or cleanser, or cleaner, or powder, or paste, or wax, or bleach that you use is the very best one, housework is just no fun. Children, when you have a house of your own, make sure, when there's housework to do, that you don't have to do it alone. Little boys, little girls, when you're big husbands and wives, if you want all the days of your lives to seem sunny as summer weather, Make sure, when there's housework to do, that you do it together. Right. Yeah. Controversial, I can see. <laughs> I can, I'm surprised there weren't riots. So, uh, one criticism of this poem. Ms. Magazine. Oh, man, that's such a great example of the constituency of Ms. Magazine and that brand of feminism. Yeah. Received letters from upset parents as well. One of whom felt uncomfortable hearing the track in the, in the presence of her maid. And she wrote, It seemed too demeaning and insensitive to this woman who does derive a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment from her work. <laughs> I don't know. I think that that's connected to the, the fact that it is this cult of domesticity is fetishized now. And I think we have to get back to that, the topic of um, the importance of effortlessness to it. And I, I want to ask you more broadly about that. But I think part of the reason it's this cult of domesticity exists i'm not cult is maybe not necessarily the right word but okay we're using a shortcut yeah um i think people know what we mean i think it's only because for decades this sense of it as labor has been completely 
removed. Scrubbed. Yeah. 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 Like one time I read an article on like apartment therapy or some such blog. That's like a interior design blog if mm-hmm. you're not familiar. That was like the relationship that you have with your house is just as important as any other relationship. Oof. You should act like you're dating your house. <laughs> you should spend quality time with your house. What the fuck? Um, you should buy gifts. You should, like, you know, it was like this weird... It was really a fetishization of, yeah. of the home. I mean, in, like, a real... Like, it's probably... I mean, they stopped short of saying you should fuck your house, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, I remember that because I was like, oh, this is really weird. It's like, you should, like, make your house smell good. Like, I mean, just all this stuff that was, yeah. like, this relationship-style advice. I think, it, yeah, I think it's part of... I mean, especially you saying that, this, like... I just think that really emphasizes that uh, divorce from labor, Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't figured out some argument of a cause for why For why this what? is the fashion. I mean, what does she say? Uh, she just critiques it, I think. I mean... I mean, I guess, like I said, I think, like, the main reason that this is the fashion is that it gives you that sense of, like, you can have it all, and if yeah. you don't have it all, it's your own fault. Don't look at capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely along the lines of what I was thinking. Because I wanted to talk about, like, the role that this effortlessness plays Yeah, you've in been it. talking about that, and then you don't bring it back to that. Take <laughs> us there. I'll try. I don't know. Um, you know, you can imagine an alternative reality where, like, people are still sharing a bunch of videos about domesticity and stuff, but they're bragging about how hard they're working Oof. instead of, you know, bragging about how easy it is. Yeah. So why why do we live in this world and not that world? And I think partly it is this sense of, like, you know, for, for lack of a more specific term, this like neoliberal market society where you have to instrumentalize your entire personality and uh, be the best you you can mm-hmm. be. Yeah. And you have to do everything well. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I think I feel like a part of it is almost branding, like sharing those um, uh, speeded up time lapsed videos. Mm-hmm or whatever, is a way of branding yourself as the type of person, like she said. I mean, she says it's because you want to imagine yourself as that type of person, but it is also signaling to other people that you are or imagine yourself to be this type of person, that you as a, identify as someone who, you know... Would do would, this. Yeah, would cook an indulgent recipe at home or whatever. Yeah. You know? I can't stand watching these videos. I know. Because every time I see, like, you know, the, the chef... Usually I'm thinking of like a young woman doing it mm-hmm. and she has all the stuff measured out in her little bowls and everything. Yeah. I'm like, that's not what cooking is like. <laughs> well, it is if you're like on Top Chef, you know, they talk about mise en place or whatever, yeah. right? Like if you get everything all prepared and ready to go. I think the only time cooking is like that for us is if we're like, you know, trying to do like a stir fry in the wok. Where but it's you're like just creating more heat. dishes. You're creating more work for yourself. Yeah, but you gotta time everything That's true, you do, in, yeah. in that case. So it's like you need to have everything pre-prepared so you can yeah. toss it in accordingly. But you know, talking most about most of the time, we just kind of wing it. Yeah. You have any other thoughts on what we already said about effortlessness? Um, well, I think the comparison. Part of the reason I wanted to bring it up. Okay, before I say that. You, you So you mentioned, like, these little bowls, if you're doing a walk or whatever, mm-hmm. it's necessary. That just makes me think about the importance of, like, the the mode of production to this, I don't know, the character of the way our relationship is with cooking. Mm-hmm. And Amber Frost mentions how her grandmother's recipes are about, like, simmering something on the stove for six or seven right. hours, which makes sense when, you know, you're, like, you're um, in the domestic sphere and that's mm-hmm. really your job. And you get it started in the morning and you, like, watch the kids and clean the house while it cooks. Yeah. And you have to feed seven people. Right. But those recipes don't work for her because she lives alone in the city with some roommates or whatever. Although um, a lot of moms have made that... I'm not, I'm not saying she needs to do this. I'm just saying, like, your mom would turn on a slow cooker in the morning. Yeah. And then by the... And it has a timer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then... By the time she comes home and you guys got home, it's true. You have yeah. a dinner. Yeah. It's because... like a actually good tip for getting dinner made every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, because these that's like the reality of being a working mom and trying mm-hmm. to feed children and trying to have a minute to yourself at the end yeah. of the day, you know, like you have to use 
tools like that that make your life a little easier, but nothing like that poem says, even if you have the best slow cooker, whatever cleanser, bar of soap, whatever, it's still not, you know, it's not always going to be fun. Like you still have to do all the prep in in the evening or the morning or whenever you still, you know, there's still that aspect that's cut out of those effortless videos that you have to engage in no matter what. So, Mm -hmm. but even then my parents weren't, you know, obviously they didn't have Pinterest, but they weren't constantly like trying new recipes and stuff. Yeah. And it's like the same potato soup your entire life yeah, yeah yeah and they're pretty adventurous people every once in a while they do like pick up a new recipe they would pick up a new recipe <laughs> get and get really excited, excited about it. and then they'd cook that for a few years yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. so like what do you think has changed in you know the method of production when we're talking about cooking for ourselves and our family is it just let me hypothesize okay. like this idea that we have to be a brand obviously the internet is different so that changes yeah. things but in what way does it change things? Is and and why did we behave differently when, you know, uh, arguably if you're uh, like a rationalist, you would just say, well, now we have more access to information. You know, what demands have changed on people or influences? Well, I do think we have more access to information. I mean, you can find a recipe for Tom uh-huh. guy or whatever. Whereas before, unless you were Thai, like... It's true. Shot, sorry, you're shit out of but luck. But why does you know? that drive us now to, like, constantly be, like, trying these new things? Because, like, sometimes you just want something and it's not available. Like, I love carrot So you think cake. it's fulfilling a basic human need? Because I feel different. No. I feel like it is, um, I don't know performative if and if not for other people then for yourself which is something i'm aware no, of. no i don't think so like i love carrot cake and i've made us carrot cake a number of times just because there's nowhere decent around here that you can get like a good carrot cake so if i want it i have to make it even mm-hmm. more so with macedonian dishes right sure. like if i want to have something that's like from my childhood or whatever i have to make that i can't get it anywhere so there's like so slowly you like you do that enough and then also you pick up skills along the way you, like as you're trying out new recipes you learn new techniques or ways of cooking you know things that you've cooked a million times before and then you incorporate that into new dishes that you create for yourself and it just becomes this sort of skill you keep building you know and also in that way that is like a need that is like you're building a skill to get better at a human need that frankly otherwise like your life's gonna yeah. be boring but you're not you're you're not really saying anything has changed in what people want just their ability to yeah okay i don't yeah you think like in the past people just didn't want to try new food yeah at least in america i mean maybe in general well but people tried like chinese food and stuff Slowly. like that it was just slow yeah <laughs> And not cooking it at home, just buying it as consumers. Although the difference is, you know, negligible. Yeah, but I think, like, about. people now, you know, even in rural areas, like, yeah. make tacos or... Something else I feel we should gently roast Amber Frost about is, like, the way she was describing this Tom... Uh, how do you say it? Tom, Tom Kaga? Co- Tom Gaka? I thought it was Tom Kagai. Tom Kagai. Yeah. We don't have or access to much Thai it. food. We do have a little bit. But, well, um, we have pinto Thai, which is fucking great. Yeah, it's great. But they, yeah, they don't always make. They that, have a though. small menu. Yeah, which is awesome too. But um, I just feel like we should gently grill her for uh. She's like complaining on the one hand about the character of, you know, this the way people are domestic, mm-hmm. but she's also being exceptionally like urban. <laughs> yeah, not just urban, but like. And I'm only mentioning this because I am this way or even more so, like this constant drive to try new foods and like new ethnic foods too and to learn about them and know something about them. Is yeah, like, no. It's like, it's definitely something that's not what I meant. worthy of making fun of to me. No, I get that. I have that too. That's no. not what I meant. I meant this this attitude of like, why would you send me a recipe? I want... A, like a good restaurant or whatever just oh. that that expectation oh, that well, like was... of course there's always going to be good restaurants around me to go to and like sure. why are you guys so obsessed with staying home when you could go out into the world it's like yeah 
if you're like in New York City or some other major city, but if you live in a small college town in Texas, you're going to be making your own carrot cake and your own pho and whatever else you want yeah. because that's kind of the easiest way to get it without going to Houston or something. I was thinking it's very or cons- Austin, it's right? very consumerist. That's it's what not, I said. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you said urban. No, I said consumer. I talked to you about being consumerist earlier. earlier. Yeah, earlier. Well, that's what I meant. That's what okay. I was talking about. <laughs> well, let's... Okay. So, uh, we probably are talking for a long time. What, but what I want to think more about this. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have that many thoughts So, like, about she it. talks about um, porn. Yeah. And it's the same exact problem with the porn she describes. That it's, like, it's POV. It's satisfaction without the work. Right? I mean, that's what porn is. Mm. You don't have to put in any effort. You don't have to put yourself out there. You don't have to make anybody else feel good. Yeah. You know? I mean, in the way, like, in the masturbatory sense, obviously, I guess, like, if you're watching porn while you're doing it with someone that's different. But, yeah. you know. Although, I guess even then, you're kind of using it to do some of the work for you. Yeah, I guess so. But, you know, you're talking about it from the point of view of the spectator. But, like, when you're watching the cooking videos... The point is to imagine yourself as this effortless chef, right? Yeah. Like, why is effortlessness so prized? I guess maybe we because talked about Because our lives bit. are hard. <laughs> Especially, I think she says somewhere in this, she has a nod to it that was pretty fair. She says, uh, the frantic bleakness of neoliberal efficiency does make a retreat into the home sound appealing, but idyllic warmth of the hearth actually comes with a lot of maintenance. Home is another workplace. So I think that's kind of what that's about, is like we want to retreat into our home because we imagine that being home means not being at work, that it means no one expects anything of us. But the reality is that when you're at home, you're still not free of work. In fact, there is work to be done there all the time. I guess that's a good point. We also conceptualize it as a workplace in a way. So the same way... You know, if you work in tech, like, you have to love technology. You have to constantly be learning about it and trying new things and Mm -hmm. learning new approaches and constantly improving and making it appear to your boss as if it's um, effortless and also that you're just driven to do it no matter what anyway. So I guess it's no surprise that we want to see ourselves in the same way at home when we're cooking. Yeah, you're leveling up your skills, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And also... um, I think there is that aspect of developing your human capital or whatever. Not so much that in the sense of like, oh, well, I'm going to, now that I've learned how to, you know, cook Vietnamese food or whatever, I'm going to go out and use that as a job. But in the sense that like we see it, I think in a lot of cases as sort of, you know, more fully developing yourself as a human being. Like I know how to paint. I know how to cook. I know how to whatever right well like you know these are different skills that you want to cultivate and develop in yourself as a person and there is a sense in which like the more accomplished you become as like at least a home cook the Mm -hmm. more you feel like yeah this is something this is some aspect of yourself that you know to some extent you're proud of like i think we're pretty good at cooking i I mean i'm I'm not gonna open a restaurant but i guess we all feel like um, whatever we're going to do, we have to be good at it. We have to be like in the top 10%. But also, of this is useful. Like it. I said, you and I cook tw- at least twice a day every day. Developing skills <laughs> in the kitchen, finding This is not recipes. an article about. It, this is not an article against cooking or valuing cooking or valuing it eating is. food at home. She it's not. constantly is undercutting She's, it. It's not because she talks about Julia Child. And that's her. I, and the way she describes Julia Child, I think. Um, she, yeah, she's I think like, Amber that's Frost a nice sees, idea. No, I think she sees like her ideal um, self or role model in it. Okay, Julia Child went to Le Cordon Bleu. She knows how to cook like way better than these people on YouTube who pretend to know how to do it effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And yet, Julia Child is still unpretentious. Mm-hmm. She still shows all her mistakes on the video live, right? So I think, actually, she's presenting Julia Child as, like, this role model and, you know, not even antithesis to the culture that she's describing because it's, like, it's not that Julia Child is directly opposed. She's just doing it the correct way. 
I guess I'm responding more to the parts of the article where she talks about how when she has, like, the desire to cook for herself, she's almost instantly, like, bored and dreading mm-hmm. I took that more, and stuff like but that. But I don't think she's presenting that as a model for other people to live. She's just describing her own reaction. I guess. I just feel like cooking is not boring. Mm-hmm. I forget it's what I was talking about. a very active activity. I don't know how you could get bored in the middle of it, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I think um, what she's arguing for isn't not doing things yourself. Like, the way she's describing porn, right? The point isn't, you know, sex is stupid or porn is stupid. It's that the way we do it is um, perverted, to use a word she would probably use. And uh, to, to, pre- to approach things like this more the way Julia Child does or... At, towards the end when she pulls out those quotes from Rosa Luxemburg the way the proletarian woman does is like the right approach to these things because it's more connected with the reality of it connected with our own potential failings it is interested in knowledge and learning but not pretentious about it or overly academic so I, I don't know I think she is presenting a model I guess we're for... talking about two different things because I guess I was more distracted or caught up in the examples that she pulled from her own life where, like, we talked about, like, yeah. her her desire to constantly be able to just be a consumer when it comes to food is, to me, like, yeah, like, alienating from the labor, which is weird since she's saying we should value mm-hmm. the labor. And the whole problem with these videos is that they cut out and make yeah. the labor not I think not that's a kind of, of a blind process. spot in this article. Yeah. So I guess to me that's the part that I was noticing, but... You know, I think the Julia Child example, maybe, like, I overlooked it because I was like, oh, yeah, I love Julia Child, too. That's cool. You know, and I, I guess I didn't see it as this, like, alternate version in the same way that mm-hmm. you did. To Yeah, that's why I was most interested in critiquing, you know, this fantasy of effortlessness. Yeah. Because I think, ultimately, there's something to, uh, something to say there um, with a broader scope than just cooking for yourself or doing pinterest DIY projects. But just, like, what our culture values and, like, incorrectly. Yeah. This idea of effortlessness. and Maybe this idea of effortlessness has more to do with efficiency than anything else. Because, you know, we obviously, like, in our society really value efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it makes sense that it would be something we also want to bring into the home as much as possible. Obviously, because it get it suggests that we'll have more free time, but also just as a value that our society instills in us just for its own sake. And so as a result, effortlessness is a particularly enticing prospect. Yeah. And efficiency is almost like another word you could use to describe those videos. Like the fact that it doesn't have mess and stuff. Yeah. And what's the alternative? Like what's the antidote or alternative or like, the alternative is realizing that, like, you'll never have, like, any ability to have it all, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, you'll never, you either have to have money or time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you can either, if you are able to go out and be, like, just buying food all the time, that's fantastic, and trying different restaurants, then, you know, you won't have to clean up a mess in the kitchen or do the labor. Mm-hmm. Or for most people, you're going to have to put in the time. Yeah, yeah. And that's why these videos of effortlessness sort of find this middle ground where they can give you the fantasy of like at a restaurant being essentially um, presented the final product like in two minutes or whatever. It doesn't even take two minutes for those videos without, you know, the reality of the fact that you are going to spend a lot more time than two minutes. I know on this effort the and... reality is i come home from work and then by the time we cook and have eaten dinner it's like 9 p.m yeah and then we're like oh, and then shit, we want to do a podcast do or something and then it's yeah 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 um i think partly what we're doing i meant to mention this earlier it'd probably make more sense with something we were saying earlier so but um i think we're creating like a more nuanced critique or explanation of the phenomenon of adulting mm. so um, people usually say, all oh, these millennials, like they're going to these adulting classes because they were coddled. They don't know how to grow up. Maybe the reality is more that we just, um, because of the messages we get from 
our culture or whatever. We want the future we were promised, not the future that we got, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But also we feel the need to excel at everything. Yeah. So it's not that we... So like in the past, people didn't go to adulting classes or whatever. They didn't worry about, you know, True. cooking a new cool right. dish and doing it well. Or finding a hack to peel garlic faster yeah. or whatever. Yeah. They just did it. Yeah. Right? So now maybe like the concern and the like the reason millennials are feeling anxiety about this isn't that they were unprepared for life, but that their expectations of what they themselves should be and do are actually too inflated. Mm. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was, yeah, I, I don't know. I was also reading like an old Thomas Frank article. You, the baffler has all their old articles and one thing I love, I love websites that actually link to their old articles, you know, as yeah. like suggested reading, or if you like this, you might like this. Mm -hmm. So I was reading some article from this year and like, they don't even tell you this is an article from 1993. They mm -hmm. just give you the title and you click on it and you find out it's from 1993. It's like a great way to read things you wouldn't normally read. Mm -hmm. But he was talking about um, basically like MTV and advertisers capitalizing on the grunge generation and the alternative generation before they were even calling it. Gen X. Mm -hmm. And uh, so not only do we feel the need to excel and uh, like be in the top, really like 10th percentile at anything we do, really. I don't, I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah. Um, so when he, when Thomas Frank is describing his generation back in 93, he's talking about, it's this really interesting like manifesto about how they're going to be resistant to advertising because they're basically too cynical for it. And that these boomers are struggling to figure out this new youth culture in 93 mm -hmm. because the boomers are so obsessed with their own youth and their own youth culture. Mm. And now they're unwilling to give up their youth. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to figure out the new youth culture so they can be a part of it uh. or at least exploit it. <laughs> so it's a really cool article. But um, I, I it made me think about how we've gone on since then because he's talking about how, you know, the, the like advertising and record execs love Pearl Jam, but we all know Pearl Jam's shit. Okay, but now like people unironically like Pearl Jam, yeah. right? And Stone Temple Pilots, he mentions. People unironically like it now. Um, there's still like a hangover of people that think this is trash. Me. But yeah, I, me too. <laughs> but like, on the other hand, am I just being a snob, right? And then he says, like, at least now this will put to bed these new pop culture academic studies about you know madonna's feminism that <laughs> are just now coming out and maybe like we'll nip it in the bud <laughs> it's like no none of that went away um i think what happened was ultimately our generation what we expect to have an even more omnivorous taste level so like we can pick out mm. the best not just of the alternative right. culture but also of the pop culture yeah and I think not only do we have a drive to excel, but and, and a drive to, you know, like demonstrate our worth on social media or whatever people want to say. We also just have a like a even crushing drive to have good taste. Yeah. Yeah. Even well, more I so than previous generations. Well, I think it's because maybe for the first time that seems possible, you know, because mm -hmm. like you can find blogs about like literally every type of music or movie or art or philosophy or anything that you're interested in and you can like learn tons and tons about it and you can you know every restaurant it has a yelp every mm -hmm. food truck has a yelp yeah. every you know pair of jeans or crocs or whatever shit you want to buy on the internet has a rating you know mm -hmm. with people telling you this is the best whatever in the field or in this category mm -hmm. you know there are blogs about that right there are blogs about which cell phone is the best which pedal you know music mm -hmm. pedal whatever yeah. is the best so there is this real sense that like if you just consume the right information and you just get good at doing that there's then even, you can have the best of everything you can have the, the best taste again it's that idea sorry but it's that idea of you can have it all if you just work hard enough right mm -hmm. um you can I just wanted to point out there's even different perspectives on what's the best. You have to find the best perspective on what's yeah. the best. Yeah, but it is, it's like that new Victorian thing again, too, that, that we've talked about before, that Jacobin article, mm. where it is that sense of, like, 
that you should constantly be improving yourself mm, and yeah, working yeah. on yourself and making yourself pure. And yeah. I guess in a sense like that. We're not like the idle rich. We will actually use our leisure to its yeah. maximum value. Yeah. 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 And I guess to that extent, you know, if you ask, I want to use my leisure time to go out to a restaurant to have this dish oh, I love. Oh, that's totally true. Yeah. And, and that, people give you a recipe. Yeah. They're like, no, use your leisure time to work. And that comes know? back to like having less money too. I fucking hate when we go to Austin and we like go to a restaurant or a taco truck and I don't like it. Yeah. Not taco truck. It's all the food trucks there. And we yeah. don't like it. I get so angry. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I feel like I've, you know, wasted my... That happened like once in the no, last like happened. seven months and you were still worried it's going to no, happen No, it's always happening. Time. It's happening it's like... like a what third of the happen? time. No, it, it happened one time. That happened one time. Yeah. I guess, like, this gets back to what I was thinking when we were talking about the end of the article and had trouble articulating is, like, there is this bourgeois thing about it. Yeah. That, like, I don't know. We talked about how um, we're, like, alighting the labor that goes into these things. Yeah. And it, that's, like, a, the bourgeois And also the cost, right? Like, she talks about how, like, Tom Kagai is not... Like, you have to source the ingredients. Yeah. They're expensive. You're not going to ever... Like, we have star anise from the last time we made pho. And granted, we actually make it fairly often, so we've, like, you know, we have reason to own them. But yeah. it's just saying, like, there are ingredients or whatever we have that we don't really use unless some other recipe calls for it. I know. So the fact that you have to spend that time... To go buy it special and the money and then you have to spend the time to do like to roast an onion over the (laughs) you know fire or whatever like it all takes you know an added cost in addition to like the the time cost and it's only erased and it's really only worth it to you which it is to me if it satisfies those centers of your brain pleasure center that want to have good taste yeah and want to spend your time doing the best things and want to like you know, maximize your leisure time Yeah, in this, like, industrious way. Yeah. Yeah, because we're like, oh, we should make homemade noodles for our homemade food. Yeah. (laughs) We haven't done that yet. I'm sure we will. We definitely will. Sadly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. One other thing. This is my biggest problem with the article, actually. I'm ideological... This is a quote. I'm ideologically and aesthetically opposed to reading Yelp reviews. I know. I love reading Yelp reviews. (laughs) I get what she's saying, but, like... I just, I love reading Yelp reviews. Yeah, Obviously, I, we, I don't... we do it to um, out of usefulness, but also just, I, I sometimes would do it out of pleasure. It's yeah, just some like, of them are fascinating. Yeah, really And it's a real insight into what people value. Like, when mm-hmm. we moved to Texas, it's like, every Yelp review is like, great place, big portions, you know, yeah. which was so <laughs> different from, like, D.C., where people are trying to you know, signal their sophistication Mm -hmm. and, you know, complex flavor palettes or whatever. And then to come here and have people or complain and be like, oh, it's expensive and the portions aren't, you know, sizable. Or how great was it when that um, dean of like Yale got in trouble for her Yelp reviews? Because she was so proud to be a Yelp elite. She told everybody at the college to read her Yelp reviews. Yeah, for sure. And then it turns out like she was just, she was obsessed with, um, like authenticity in the worst way, like to the point where she was being duped, basically. Yeah. You know, like going to the restaurants that only people who have money go to because they think it's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely like opposed ideologically and to trashing working class people to what um, writing Yelp reviews does to people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it like turns everyone into like a critic and like like a in the worst what are the, oh, like the, a like, undercover shopper you yeah, know what i mean yeah it's like everyone is like the waitress didn't offer me enough water that's a check off the you know like <laughs> yeah. Fu- yeah so that that's really irritating but um yeah no i love reading Yelp reviews, especially like if you live in a small town because then characters start yeah, to emerge totally and, and then you're like, why did Greg D change his avatar photo? Why, why is, is Greg it... D in a fight with other people about being the first check-in yeah. at this restaurant? <laughs> yeah. Why does he call himself the taco king of Texas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, why is his avatar photo like um, a half silhouette of a woman's of a ass? <laughs> yeah. Of a woman's butt. Wearing underwear. he got hacked? That's my theory. Because it used to be him with, like, a blue baseball cap on. Yeah, I don't know. 
if so it's, it's a real it. departure from how he wanted to prevent himself. Maybe one of his himself. maybe one of his Yelp rivals hacked it and is just like working it real slow and low key. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is not the best Migas in town. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, if you I don't would... even know why you would say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's a direct yeah. quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're obsessed with Greg D. Yeah. You can learn so much about the people around you from Yelp reviews and just the tenor of your average American. The amount of people who complain about the service. Customer service, I know. It drives me up the wall. It's like, that is absolutely not a reason I'm not going to this restaurant unless they spit in your food. Which they will when they see your Yelp review. Yeah, I know. But it's like, if the service was slow, oh well. Like, was the food good? Yeah, take your time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, where are you going? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think we managed to articulate some of the things that were previously inarticulable that were floating around in my mind. Cool. Yeah. Well, this was a bit of a meandering discussion, although I guess that's kind of the usual. Yeah. Um, but hopefully it's interesting. Again, the article is called Against Domesticity. It's by Amber Ali Frost mm-hmm. in Current Affairs. I think we've decided she would absolutely... Not like to be our friend, but we do recommend her writing. (laughs) Okay, that's it. Thank you. Peace. Bye.